Well, I did something yesterday that I don't think I've ever really ever done, and some of you may appreciate this, I don't know, I hope so, is um, because I uh, have had challenges and increasing challenges with my neck and my arm, uh, I was greatly encouraged by my doctor to stand around with a coffee cup and be a supervisor. And I was tortured yesterday all day long uh, because I watched as these amazing people, uh, a whole bunch of amazing people came together and uh, delivered massive wood. We made great money for our Belarus team. And literally, I'm, Sharon was taking pictures and I was hoping she wouldn't get a picture of me with a coffee cup in my hand barking out directions. And so I sure do appreciate all those who uh, came out yesterday and those who offered to come out. So I got this note of encouragement. It says, for all those willing to help uh, yesterday, Brad and Eli would come from Dallas. Justine and her three boys would drive from, uh, um, where do you guys live? I don't know. Anyway, over there in the far west corner to the far east corner of the valley. And, uh, and then Ken was going to come out too. So uh, you're not going to deliver this one because i got a million people here. So a huge thank you to those uh, who did make it out. Eric Johnson, Rick and Gabe Steiner, Ryan and Jake Compton, Kevin uh, Penny, Luke, Grace, Tim, Josh, Henry, Audrey, who loves hot dogs like me. Just saying. And let's see, Blake and Desi, Logan and Julie, Heidi, Sharon, Compton, Brian, Bragg, Greg Ferguson, and I got to sit around with a cup of coffee. It was great. You want to just go put that over there? We're going to put it on the wall. Mrs. McKinney, it is so great to see you this morning. Your charming personality really makes me smile. I enjoy spending time around you, and you are a lovely person. You know, I didn't write this, but I could have wrote this. This is a great one. Here you go, Emma. Let's give it up right back there for Mrs. McKinney. What are, you, what are you doing? She's like, that doesn't sound like you. It does too. All right, Bill and Sharon Compton, praise God for our Bible studies and your obedience to the word. You, oh, you, you role model for me. I said you rock. You role model for me, Christ's love. There you go, awesome. And I got a great letter or card with pictures from the, the Great Falls Church uh, Christ Church in Great Falls. It says to the Pleasantville Church, thank you for all the hard work, effort, and all you put in to make the entire family camp so memorable. All the work you put in for food and housing, arranging the whole camp really shows that you all possess the character of Christ. You are all living examples of how the body of Christ should conduct themselves. We won't forget your hospitality and can't wait for next year. So those folks in Great Falls, we're Great Falls, we're glad that you came. It was awesome. So let's see, what else do we got here? Um, a list of things that you can take note of. Please note that we do have a calendar now for March. So they're out on the table out there. So the first thing that you should take note of is this week, uh, 17th, Wednesday, uh, at 6 in the evening, we're going to have a, a little uh, Pleasant Hill Church of Christ uh, family dinner uh, over at the Parks House. So if you can make it, that would be great. And then the, the uh, evening assembly will start at 7 after dinner. And that's a potluck style, so bring your favorite uh, uh, main dish and a dessert. That would be great. And also, too, when you get your calendar, take note that on the 27th, Saturday the 27th, 
we are going to do a spring cleaning around here. Now, the spring cleaning, I was going to call it the first annual Pleasant Hill Purge, but that did not sound very good. You know what I'm saying? And so I decided to make it sound a little nicer, uh, the, the Pleasant Hill Spring Cleaning. And it's going to be from 9 to noon that Saturday, and uh, we are actually going to do a lot of removing of stuff. And if you have some stuff here that you really like, but we haven't used it in the last century or so, we're getting rid of it, just so you know. So if you want to come out and see what we're getting rid of, who knows? One man's trash is another man's treasure. So you might find something that uh, we're throwing out that you want. So there you go. That is Saturday the 27th from 9 to noon. 9 to noon. All right. I think that's all of the announcements, except for we need to sing Nicole McKinney happy birthday. And uh, I've been told by several people that we needed to do this. So, Nicole, there was no way you were getting out of it. People, I mean, last week where people were telling me, oh, wait, Nicole's birthday's next week. And so, and does anybody else have a birthday coming up this week? So Nicole doesn't feel all alone? I told Nicole if she was the only one that she'd have to come up here and stand with me so he could sing to her. But I'm not going to have you do that because I am nice. Nicole is going to go to Belarus with us someday, and I don't want her to do something mean like unlatch the door to the bathroom or the, the plane in the back when I have to go to the bathroom. Whee! See you, Mr. Compton. So I'm going to be nice to you. So here we go. Oh. Henry? Awesome. How old are you going to be, Henry? Nine. That's awesome. I'm glad that your sister did that. You should, you should have seen Henry yesterday helping out. He's going to be an NBA star someday. We were doing bottles as well. I was kind of helping with the bottles with a cup of coffee. And I couldn't even turn the caps off the bottles. And Henry was the man helping me out, and so was Josh. And then Henry's just putting them in. Boom, boom, boom. He's, he would have been a rock star for a Portland back in the day. So I'm glad that you're, how is it, eight years old? Nine? Okay, nine. All right, here we go. So you're not alone. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you. All right. Now, I, I look at the time, and I am not going to allow your roast to burn. We're only going to do one of the three points this morning. And uh, you know that one point can be an awful lot. So we're going to do one of three points this morning. So grab your note pages, if you would, this morning. Your uh, note sheets for the lesson. That would be great. And let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 33. Psalms, chapter 33, this morning. And then we'll finish the last two points next week. So don't, don't lose your note sheets. I'll have some extras here next week. But if you take notes, you don't want to lose them. Psalms chapter 33, and this passage of scripture uh, really moved me as I was working through all the passages on hope. Psalms 33, beginning in verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us 
according as we have hoped in you. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hoped in you. What if you don't put your hope in the Lord? What if you put your hope in yourself? I think too often times we do that. We get worried so we can take control of our lives because we know better than God how to get what we want to get. Well, we guess what we do is we don't put our hope in God. We put our hope in self. I don't know about you, but last time I checked, I make an awful lot of mistakes. And I know some of you could say, hey, can I share some? No, no, you got plenty too. My point is, is that when you put hope in yourself, you put hope in man, you put hope in this world, really what you are is hopeless. And so it's important for us to recognize that God is going to grant loving kindness to all those who have faith, all those who put their hope in him, and all those who love him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so, brethren, let's pray this morning, and then we're going to get into the lesson. Father, how thankful we are for the faithful men and women who put their hope in you. In the Old Testament, we see how you dealt with those men and women, faithful, committed, ones who were obedient, out of love for you. And I pray to your Heavenly Father, we'd recognize that our hope today needs to be built upon the wonderful provision and the fulfillment of your promises that we know and understand you have provided for mankind in the past. And Father, as well, we know that you are providing for us individually right now, and we can put hope in you for the future. Uh, Father, all of us, as has been shared this morning already, are going to die physically. Uh, but Father, our destiny is determined by our willingness to humble ourselves in faith and to put our hope completely in you. And I pray, Father, that we would learn to do that, looking back and remembering what you have done for others, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to be encouraged this morning once again by Hebrews in chapter 6. And so turn with, with me to Hebrews in chapter 6, a really phenomenal passage on hope and what hope really is all about. Hope is based upon the promises of God. And we need to recognize that when God makes a promise, he does not go back on his promise. And so in the book of Hebrews in chapter 6, uh, beginning there in verse 12, excuse me, verse 13, we're going to read down through the close of the cha chapter there. Uh, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end to every dispute. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise, that's talking to, to us as Christians, the unchangeableness of his purpose. He interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have taken refuge. We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, speaking in heaven, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, 
according to the order of Melchizedek. The scripture teaches that the biblical hope is not a, I hope I'll get it, I'm not sure, there's doubt, there's fear, there's concern, there's worry, I might not get what God has promised, but rather it's an absolute confidence. I don't hope so, I know so in Christ Jesus because God is faithful. He's kept his promises. If I were to ask you tomorrow, are you hopeful that the sun will come up in the east? Well, of course not. I know the sun is going to come up in the east, right? There's no hope there. But when I was 12 years old, my brother Steve and I went up into the desolation wilderness in the um, up out of Lake Tahoe, and it was in October. A beautiful October day. It was sunny. It was warm. Great weather. And we put on our backpacks and we hiked six miles back up in to the desolation wilderness to the Velma Lakes. Now, if you were to get a map out, you could see it was actually six miles up. Six miles up and six miles north. And when we got up in there, we put our tents up and, the, and uh, just a beautiful lake and we were doing some fishing and, and we caught a couple fish and then the, the wind started picking up. And as a little kid, I didn't understand that when the wind picks up, that's a pretty good sign that there's weather coming in. And so we got our fish cooked, we ate dinner, we got in our little is a little tiny half of a military pup tent. It was only a half. It was a shelter half. It wasn't one of these three-season tents or four-season tents. It was just a basically worse than a tarp. It was canvas. And we put it over a rock and we stretched it out. And we we kind of scrunched underneath it. And that night it snowed. And my brother and I had eaten quite a bit that night, and, and many of you know that when a person is beginning to get hypothermia, their body basically gets rid of anything that's going to take energy from their core. If you know anything about what I'm talking about, my brother was throwing up all night long. And I'm telling you what, I prayed. And I was a kid that went to church back then, and uh, I prayed. God, I just pray that you'll hurry up and get the morning here because we got to get out of here. It was pitch black. We didn't have the stuff that I have today. If I were to get caught in the mountains with my hunting pack on, I got all that I need to stay overnight. Not that I want to do that because it's not comfortable, but I can do that. But we were in a real bad way. I'm 12 and my brother's 16. My brother is much bigger than I am. And I've always been a guy of a relatively small frame. The sun came up kind of. In other words, the lights came on, but it was still snowing and sleeting. And we quickly wrapped up everything, our wet sleeping bags. We stuck them in our backpacks. And then I put mine on and my brother's put on and he fell down. He said, I can't go. I can't make it. And I hoped and prayed that we would get out of that place. The sun came up because God said it would. But here's the cool thing about that. And some of you have heard this story before. And I'm absolutely convinced that when I get to heaven, I'll know for certain. It was in October, and we hiked that three miles from the north to a trailhead or a, a trail tee, and we stopped, and my brother needed to sleep. Now, any of you know anything about hypothermia? If someone sleeps, they die. And so my brother laid down under a tree, freezing, shivering, and he fell asleep. 
Just about that time, two hunters came, and I don't even know where they came from because I was so concerned about my brother. And they came up and they said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know, last night, and I explained it to them. And then all of a sudden, they started pulling stuff out of their pack, and they had a stove, and they had food, and they had a blanket, and they basically put them in the blanket, and one held to him while the other made the soup, and they gave him the soup. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. And then after my brother woke up and he got the soup and he got to feeling better. Those guys spent a good part of that day uh, working with my brother to get him to where he was, you know, fully there. And then they basically said, okay, we got to hunt, hunt. We got to go get our camp set up. And so they're putting their stuff in and I was getting everything ready. And, and uh, I turned around to say thank you, thanks to them and they weren't there. I didn't see them come in. I didn't see where they came from. I didn't see where they went because I was worried about my brother trying to get his backpack on and trying to get mine on and trying to get going. Here's somebody that was hoping that the sun would come up and God provided. Here was a little kid that was hoping that God would help my brother make it out. And God sent, I believe, angels. Can God send angels? that look like human beings, that can offer help to those who will inherit salvation. We were both children, and children are covered by guardian angels. My conviction is, is that that hope, that prayer by a child who had a childlike faith got honored. And I was desperately hopeful that my, because I knew something real bad was wrong with my brother. Do you have a faith in God that he will provide when things look like it's absolutely impossible, that it cannot be done? Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of hope? Do you remember there's three pillars, foundational pillars for hope, to, or excuse me, perseverance. To be able to persevere and not give up, you need to have faith in God that he will fulfill his promises, convinced so much so that you trust him and are willing to continue to do what you know is right according to God's word. That's faith, but hope is just as important. And if you studied the scriptures, faith will build your hope because faith is based upon, or hope is based upon trust. I trust the sun's gonna come up in the east. By the way, I trust that when I am in a jam, whether I've created the jam or somebody else has created the jam, that God is going to provide. I just need to call out to him. I want to read now the first man, I believe the most perseverant human being that ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. You take a look at your notes and promise, or point number one, Noah, God, prom God promised and Noah trusted. God promised and Noah trusted God. You see, Noah endured hostility by godless people for over a hundred years. If you know the scriptures, you know that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. You know that it took him over a hundred years to build an ark. How big was that ark? It was monstrous. It was a seagoing vessel. It was three football fields long if we use the measurement that many believe was a cubit long. Three football fields long. Gigantic ship. And it was seaworthy. Because 
when the tectonic plates broke loose and the floodgates of the earth came up and the floodgates of heaven came down, it was an absolute deluge. And that ship that he took a hundred years to build stayed the course and saved his family. He and his wife, his three sons, and his three daughter-in-laws. But nobody else got in the boat. The world was so violently wicked, they would come and they would mock, but he was a preacher of righteousness. And what do preachers of righteousness do? Tell people to get in the boat because this is God's provision for salvation. And they rejected every single one of them. You know, he just didn't build the boat. He had to tell people to get in the boat because of what was coming, and they all laughed at him. Is there a judgment now in the future coming for both the righteous and the wicked? Yes or no? Now, some people say, I, I, I don't know. I guess I'll find out when I get there. It's a little bit too late, pilgrim. Now is the time. Now is the time. When someone says, get in the boat, when someone says, here's the gospel plan of salvation, listen and embrace it, study it out to make sure it's true, you need to follow through, brethren. Because there is a day when you'll breathe your last and then you'll know that God was true and that there is an eternal lake of fire and that there is a heaven. Now again, people can say, well, I'm glad you think that, preacher. I don't. And I'm not saying you feel that way. But man, our actions prove whether we truly believe in God, whether we truly hope in God. Let me ask you another question before we get into Noah, because this is very important. How many of you have gardens? Anybody here have a garden? Okay, we have one, two. Anybody work their gardens? I hate gardening. Sharon goes, I know. I hate gardening, but I also know something else. If we want the produce of the garden, we need to invest a lot of time and energy and work in order for that garden to produce. In order for trees to produce, you got to take care of them. So I'm staring at these trees that I got to prune. Guess what? How do I know that if I prune those trees or if we plant that garden, that what I hope for will come to pass? Notice, I know for certain, even with a black thumb, I know for certain, we live in Oregon, it will grow. It's amazing. Why? Because God promised that. The Psalms, just one I just prayed through just the other day, talked about how God sends the rains to soften the soil for the produce of the land, that he might bless you richly. I love that Psalm. That's a promise of God. Will it be fulfilled this coming fall? If I put in the work this spring and summer, what's the answer? Absolutely. That's hope based on I know so. God is coming and he wants us to get in the proverbial boat of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let's take a look at what it takes to have hope, to persevere for over a hundred years doing hard manual labor while still preaching the gospel to everyone who will come by. Turn with me to the book of Genesis in chapter 6. Genesis 6. Many of you know about Noah. You've heard a lot about him. There's a couple verses here that are pretty powerful and amazing that I, I want you to take a look at and recognize. There's more to the verse than just a couple sentences. Genesis chapter 6 
And take a look at verse 9. Genesis 6 and verse 9. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, Noah was a righteous man. According to whose standard? According to his standard or God's standard? What's the answer? God's standard. How did he know God's standard? He walked with God. He talked with God. It says when he walked with God, you look that word up in the Hebrew, it means he kept pace with God. He lived in alignment, as was said earlier today, he lived in alignment with God's purpose, God's plan. He had already been walking with God. It wasn't like something new. Oh, okay, so God says it's going to rain. I don't know what rain is, so I guess I'll build this gigantic boat. It's not like he went, I don't know if I can trust this guy. He had walked with God. He had lived a holy and blameless life. He was pleasing to God, and God gave him the task of saving the world. Brethren, you know, when you walk with someone, you get to know them really, really well. Now, yesterday was a great experience for me. You know, the Finneman family is a sweet family. And uh, I learned an awful lot about Audrey. Now, Audrey is kind of not looking at me now. But Audrey, can you look at me? There you go. I found out several things about Audrey. And you need to know this. First of all, we're a kindred spirit. I would not have known this if I wouldn't have been working with her, at least holding a coffee cup and watching her work. But uh, you know what? Audrey loves hot dogs, and I love hot dogs. Now, we'll have hamburgers and stuff like that, but I'll eat hot dogs whenever we have a barbecue. That's the only time I really get hot dogs. And so I'm glad that Audrey came over and had hot dogs because I was just definitely into it. And so we were the only ones that ate hot dogs, right, Audrey? You and I are a kindred spirit. I didn't know that about you. You're over, you're invited to my house at every barbecue. You got that, Audrey? Please put it on your calendar. I can eat hot dogs then. But there's a second thing I found out about Audrey. Audrey's six years old. Right, Audrey? Six? Now I asked my son Jacob, he's not here, I'm not sure where he's at. I asked my son Jacob, and I couldn't remember. I said, Jacob, when you were six, did you used to carry big loads of wood that were probably half your weight? And he said, no. So this little gal, man, talk about a little busy bee. She'd come over to the trailer and she would stay there until her older brothers would put some heavy wood in her arm. And if she got one piece, she wouldn't leave. Hello, give me another piece. Six years old. And she didn't go, oh, oh, she wasn't complaining. She moved and she gave him and she came back and she was there. She was there consistently. She did that. And Julie's bobbing her head. Thank you for confirming this. She, I would not have known that about this amazing little lady because I walked with her. I worked with her. Noah walked with God. God knew Noah. God trusted Noah to get the plan done. But you know what? Noah trusted God that he would give him what he needed to get the job done. 
He persevered a hundred years on the same task and people continually ridiculing you because you're an absolute fool. You see, we need to know that Noah trusted God because he walked with God. The first point this morning in this lesson would be then this. Are you walking with God? Are you looking into his word to see what he says for you to do? And are you doing it? And when you do it, has he been blessing you? It's absolutely amazing. When you walk with God and you do what he calls you to do in whatever relationship you're in, he will bless you. And then you can know you can trust him because he follows through with his promise. When I read, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, I prayed and I knew that God would deliver and I waited on God until there was a woman who loved God more than anyone or anything. I waited and it was painful waiting and serving as I waited, doing whatever needed to be done with the church body that I was serving. And I was always busy because if I wasn't busy, I was lonely. So I kept busy. And then God provided. God is faithful. He fulfilled his promise. I can trust in him. Brethren, this is what happened with Noah. So my question is, are you walking with him so that you can trust him as he is blessing you? But look at the second scripture there. Genesis chapter 6, verse 13 through 16. Let's read that one. He gives them the, the blueprint for uh, the ark here. It says here, uh, verse 13, now, now God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Uh, and make yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, the breadth, 50 cubits, and the height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Notice God trusted Noah to build the tool by which he would save the world. God was saving the world through Noah's efforts because Noah hoped, believed, and knew that God would deliver him and anybody else that got in the boat. He wasn't going to stop, and God knew he wouldn't stop. What about you? How many people are you telling about Jesus and the great plan of salvation? If you are a Christian, if you have received the blessings of forgiveness and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and the rich blessings of the renewed relationship, are you sharing that with other people? And if not, how are they going to know how to get into heaven? We need to recognize and understand the church is the vessel that will pass through the judgment fires. The church is a collective of people who've humbled themselves to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. I don't want anybody to go to the lake of fire. And so I'm willing to reach out to people. It's uncomfortable. It's terribly uncomfortable even now. And yet I do that because I'm sure of what's coming, but I hope I trust, I know that God is faithful to his promises. And so Noah kept building and building and building until the day that he stepped into the ark and God closed the door. Can you only imagine how horrible it was for Noah after God closed the door? What do you think all the people that finally realized Noah's preaching was true? Where'd they go? 
they went to find that ark. But it was too late. You see, it's so important for us to recognize that the hope of heaven, the hope of eternal life, must drive us to build the ark to remain faithful in the work that God has called us to do. If we don't have hope that there's going to be vegetables in the garden, if we don't have hope that we're not going to do it, we're going to give up. So hope is powerful in motivating our perseverance. Now, look at God's promise in verse 18. Chapter 6 and verse 18. God says, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. I will establish my promise. You get in the boat. And did God establish his promise? To Noah, absolutely positively. They remained on the boat almost a year. Go back and read the scriptures. They were on that ship for almost a year. That's an awful long time to be on a ship. They must have had some pretty good family relations, don't you think? A year cooped up in a boat? Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Faithful man. God followed through with his part of the plan. But I want to look at and finish up with Genesis chapter 6. And verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. I think Noah might have ever had a, a thought of, is this really worth it? Is this really worth it? I mean, I keep building and it's a slow process. And people keep coming and looking at me like I got a third eyeball and I'm an absolute raving lunatic because I believe that there's going to be a judgment, a deluge of the earth. And I've never heard about rain. What is this thing, rain? Floodgates of heaven. What is that? It never rained before. So when we start talking about an eternal fire and a day when the Lord comes back, people are going to look at you and think you're a nut job. Are you going to stay the course? Do you really believe the sun's coming up in the east and going down in the west? Do you really believe that your gardens will produce vegetables? Do you really believe that there was an ark and there was a flood and those people were delivered? By the way, in all parts of the earth, there's evidence of a cataclysmic flood. Even in the northwest, amazing archaeological evidence of a cataclysmic flood. And they ascribe it to something several million, billion years ago, you know, the Missoula flood. Hello. This is all over the world. We need to recognize and understand, brethren, that this is the most persevering man. And why did he persevere? Why did he not give up? Because he trusted God and he knew that what God promised, he would deliver. Hope is based upon our trust in God. If you don't trust that he's going to deliver, you're not going to remain faithful. You're not going to persevere. Let me close with this. The first point of this lesson. Noah walked with God. That's how he learned to trust him. Because as he walked with God and did what God said, God blessed him. He knew that God was faithful to his promises years before he built that ark. And so he could invest 100 years of his life building the ark because he knew without a doubt that God was faithful. 
Brethren, what about you? Do you have that kind of hope? I have to be honest with you. When I started doing this perseverance thing and I've been turning all the scriptures on perseverance, I got a little weak in the knees. And you're saying, oh no, the preacher's weak in his knees. We got a problem. I want to make it. I don't know what the future holds, but I'm absolutely convinced in heaven and I'm absolutely convinced in the lake of fire. And now I need to get from the scriptures how to persevere no matter what the future holds. And I'm sorry to tell you this, and I'm not going to give it to you in graphic details, but what man can do to man is absolutely unthinkable. What man can do to man is absolutely unspeakable. I don't know what the future holds. But will you, will I, will we endure no matter what the future holds and remain faithful, hopeful in Christ Jesus? That's the question. That's why I'm doing this series of lessons. How do we get the foundation for perseverance? Next week, we're going to look at two other Old Testament faithfuls, two Old Testament hopefuls that God provided. And they have a similar scenario of trusting God first and then following through. Let's build our trust in God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for the hour. We're thankful so much, dear Heavenly Father, for the rich blessing of your word. We can know what we are called to believe what we are called to look for and look to. We can know what the future holds and we can know it so much so because of your promises made and your promises fulfilled and provisions that have been granted thus far to mankind and also to us individually that we can fully hope in your provision of heaven, but we must persevere, persevere. We have need of perseverance. Help us to continue to grow in our understanding, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand and let's get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's make sure we're hopeful this week. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.